We all know that the greatest stories about reaching the podium aren't the ones with the easy climb to the top. They involve an underdog, many, many moments of adversity and losses along the way. But the one common denominator that I have found in so many of these stories that we've shared is the tremendous amount of grit, resiliency, and commitment to continue on the path of pursuing that dream, that vision, and that priority that they set for themselves in their life. There's such a small chance of those moments coming true. But what you're going to hear today is you're going to hear a story about the underdog, one of the greatest underdogs I've met hailing straight from the city of Detroit, who surrounded himself with the right people, put in the hard work to build his confidence, learned from people who were already successful ahead of him, because as he'll tell you today, success does leave clues. Through all of his hard work, this man's been able to hit the play button on dream after dream after dream after dream. And I can't wait for you to take a few golden nuggets away from today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to At The Podium with Manuela Mesqua. I'm a financial advocate, a CEO, father, husband, and you wouldn't have guessed it, massive sports fan. That's right. I'm obsessed with encouraging people to dream their biggest dreams and attack the unique vision that they have for their lives. I built this podcast to share the stories of high performers and convert their stories into lessons that can help you get closer to your dreams. Today, my guest is Anthony Pittman, hailing out of Birmingham Groves High School. Anthony went on to become one of the top linebackers in the GLIC conference, playing for Wayne State University, a two-time captain, two-time All-GLIAC. Like many college athletes, Anthony also had the dream of playing in the NFL. He went undrafted in the 2019 draft and got picked up by his hometown team, the Detroit Lions. Today, Anthony is living out his boyhood dream. And I got to tell you, as a fellow Detroiter or Detroit-ish-er, man, I love watching him play on the field, and I know you will this fall as well. Today, you're going to hear Anthony talk about the power of writing out your goals, why success leaves clues, and the importance of doing what makes you uncomfortable consistently. Now, here he is, Anthony Pittman. Under the Helmet is an incredible production that the Detroit Lions are putting out on YouTube, helping the audience, the fan base, the entire country learn more about these players personally and professionally on and off the field. Avery Gatch is a standout Division I college prospect, if not already an NFL prospect, playing tackle at Birmingham Groves. Anthony, I am so glad that we're finally together here on the show today, man. Thanks for making time. Man, hey, thanks for having me. I've seen you had a lot of great ones on this show, so I'm just honored to be a part of it. Yeah, I was going to say, you're like the young buck now. Now all the guys like Herman Moore and Lamar Woodley, they're like the OGs on the show, right? Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> Even Khalif, man. You got you, you had a lot of great ones, so I'm like, man, you want to talk to me? So I'm, just, I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited that we get to put 40 to 50 minutes together unpacking the story of your very young life. 
And it goes back to my really good friend, Izzy Adonage, who, you know, played 10 years with the Chicago Bears. I mean, the first guy drafted from playing college football in Canada is having an unbelievably successful life. Izzy always talks about winning the inches in life and then celebrating those micro wins. And I'm like, man, as young as you are and as quickly as we've gotten to know each other over the last few months, I'm like, you got a ton of micro wins stacked up, right? So I want to unpack this thing going all the way back to your childhood and starting there. Because for everybody who watched Under the Helmet, not only do you know that my man is a master fisherman now, (laughs) master fisherman, Anthony Pittman, check it out on Under the Helmet, which by the way, Detroit Lions, man, you are fire, spitting fire with that series, Under the Helmet. Under the Helmet is an incredible production that the Detroit Lions are putting out on YouTube helping the audience, the fan base, the entire country learn more about these players personally and professionally on and off the field. Everybody's got to check that out. Detroit Lions under the helmet. But you talk about your childhood and we really see that really special story and relationship between you and your mother begin to take life in that episode. Take me back to your childhood. Share with our listeners what it was like to grow up on the west side of Detroit, what that looked like, and if that's where the big vision for the big life and the big dreams that you're living now came from. You know, life life on the west side of Detroit, it started off with my mom always making the sacrifices necessary for me to be in a position to be successful. I mean, sacrificing her time, her money, her energy, effort, whatever she needed to do for me to be where I needed to be, she always did that. So I always did, you know, Boy Scouts, I did football, I did hockey, I did baseball, basketball, whatever for me just to take all the energy I had and to put it out to something, you know, productive. Fast forward, in high school, she moved me from Detroit to Birmingham for a better education. And I was able to go to Birmingham Groves. Great school system, great opportunity for me. And luckily I was I was able to put together a few good years of football. Junior year, I started playing football. I was okay. I wasn't the best. And senior year is when I really got good at football. I didn't know I was going to play college football. Did my whole senior year. Made a highlight tape after the year. And I was like, you know, I wasn't thinking much of it. But recruits and stuff started coming to me. Scouts like, hey, you can play college football. And uh, going back to my mom, when I was getting recruited for college football, she said, hey, check out Wayne State. I was like, I don't want to go to Wayne State. It's too close to home. I'm like, man, I want to go somewhere far. I want to get out of here. She said, check out Wayne State. So I went to Wayne State, did my recruiting visit, and I ended up loving it. Like, best decision I ever made. Love the coaches, love the culture. I was like, yeah, I'm going to Wayne State. Funny story, when I committed to Wayne State, I was holding out, kind of like, eh, I want to see what else I got on the table. I'm so- like, you know what? I'm going to play my cards. I'm going to see who else is going to come in and try to swoop this offer away. And she was like, you need to call Wayne State right now for they take that offer away. I was like, you know what? So I called Coach Paul Winters, who was the head coach at the time, and uh, said, Coach Winters, I'm ready to be a warrior. So that's kind of a little bit how my mom has always, you know, pushed me and wanted me to be great. I've often heard you, and I got to believe that's really at the center of your heart and soul in terms of who you are as a man and a human being, as Anthony Pittman today. You give that credit to your mother. I do. I do. I give that to her. Talk to me about Coach Flaherty. I've mentioned to you before, I got young man Avery Gatch on my radar. Avery Gatch, that's a shout out to you, you and your dad and your entire family. Avery Gatch is a standout 
Division one college prospect, if not already an NFL prospect, playing tackle at Birmingham Groves. But, you know, Avery's playing under Coach Flaherty. You talk about Coach Flaherty. What kind of role did someone like Coach Flaherty and the coaching staff then have on you to really get you to open up your eyes to say, like, man, football could really be a meaningful part of my life? Yeah. I mean, I'm grateful to Coach Flaherty because without him, I wouldn't be playing football at all. I went to Coach Flaherty as a sophomore. I said, hey, I want to play football. And he said, okay, you know, come to training camp and we see what you got. So went to training camp. I was a tight end and I was a linebacker. I was all right. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't the best. And, you know, we did the off-season workout programs. That summer between the junior and my senior year of high school was when I really, like, I put the work in. I did the, I did the extra work. I bought into the system. I bought into what Flair was telling us, you know, just all the messages that he taught to me. And I had a, a hell of a senior year. And then, you know, I went to Flair after. I said, hey, you know, you think I could play college football? He said, let's make a tape. Let's find out. And I made that tape. And, you know, the recruiters, they came in. So many really good stories in terms of your time at Wayne State. Tell me about some of the moments in terms of the type of culture and community that Wayne State creates for young men and women student athletes. There's so many great schools in the state of Michigan. I think Wayne State's the underdog. I think they do a remarkable job in terms of creating culture and community here in Detroit. Share one of the two stories that really stand out for you about Wayne State. I think the biggest culture that we built was family and toughness. From day one at Wayne State, the recruiting class that I came with, we were super close, super hard working group of guys. And from year one to year five, we were probably as close as we ever could have been when we were seniors. Every day we just hang out. Mm-hmm. Family, you know, mm-hmm. going to locker room, just hanging out, going on road trips, playing around with the guys. And that's that's the biggest thing I take from Wayne State. Like even now, I still hang out with my guys. I see my guys in the community. We're doing great things all over the world. We got police officers, people are lawyers, other guys playing, you know, ball in the XFL. I tell people all the time, going to Wayne State was the, the best decision I've ever made. And it's because of the family that I built and the the, the culture that Wayne State had for me. You very quickly found yourself in a role of leadership on that team, right? You played linebacker there, two-time team captain, two-time GLIAC. You recorded nearly 200 career tackles at Wayne State. They had you in a role of leadership very early on. What do you think are the things that Coach Winter saw in you that said, hey, man, this is a young man who's going to serve and lead this team into the future? I think I always had a sense of humility about myself and a sense of always wanting to do the right thing that guys picked up on. And that me at the time, I necessarily didn't understand the power that I had. I always saw myself more as a quiet leader, but that junior year, guys were like, you could really be a captain. And I was like, oh, I don't, hmm. I don't know. That's really when I became, began to come into my own and say, okay, I'm going to go for this, this captain position. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to lead this team in the direction that it needs to go. And once I started doing that, I became more vocal. I became more confident as a leader. And I was I was lucky to become a junior captain. A lot of guys, their senior years, that's when they become captain. So for me to be a junior captain, I was very grateful for that. And, you know, I felt like it was my duty to the team to give them everything I had and to just to, to put my best foot forward and lead how I how I needed to lead. You know, we talk about the wins, losses, and lessons of life, right? Mm, And of course, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. 
So I'm always, you know, hey, how can I how high can I carry my positivity today? Let's be a fountain, not a drain in people's lives. So sometimes I miss unpacking the losses, the moments of adversity. Let's take a step back. You talked about your gratitude coming from a place of respecting and acknowledging some of those hardships, some of those moments of adversity. Do you have one or two stories from your childhood through college where you say, man, these really made a really powerful mental impression on who I am as a man today and the way I want to live my life? Through childhood, I've had some adversities, very tough times in life, you know, where you have to just wake up every day and you got to really motivate yourself. Like, man, I got to get through this. Like, you don't have an option. You can't just lay in bed. You know, there's plenty of times where I just want to lay in bed and not face the world. But it's like, man, you have so much to do. You have to go to school. You have to go to practice. You have to see people and interact with people. And going through and dealing with those things really gave me a mental toughness, gave me the ability to to handle adversity and ability to, to face the uncomfortable. I'm even doing it now. Like, you know, life gets good. You're in the NFL. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you got all this money and all these fans, they look up to you and things and, and things may be going great. But I feel like the thing you need to do is always put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. So even me being on a podcast, you know, I'm not the best speaker. I don't like public speaking. My mind wants to tell me, okay, you don't need to do that. You you should stay at home and be comfortable. I'm like, no, let's do whatever is uncomfortable for me to grow as a person. So same with my adversities. I feel like going through those things, you know, allowed me to grow as a person. And even mm-hmm. in college, you know, we had bad seasons, getting in trouble a little bit with school and stuff. But dealing with those adversities and coming on top of those really, mm-hmm. really helped me grow as a person. I'm a huge fan of our friends at Sport of Kings out in L.A. And as a listener of this show, you've got to check them out. Sport of Kings is an L.A.-based clothing brand that was started by two surfers and longtime friends. The story's incredible. They carry a wide range of premium tees, hoodies, sweats, caps, and more. And they're designed in-house, folks, made locally in Los Angeles and Orange County. Samantha and Ava and Atlas say, Dad, you're either in a blue suit and white shirt or Sport of Kings. And they're right. That's about it. Don't forget, Sport of Kings is a homegrown brand focused on quality over quantity. And if you go check them out online at S-O-K-F-Y. So basically, Sport of Kings Forever Young, S-O-K-F-Y.com and use the promo code PODIUM. You'll receive 20% off your entire order. Again, that's SOKFY.com and use the promo code PODIUM at checkout for 20% off. And now back to the show. Talk to me about one of the difficult moments of adversity you had as a young man that you'd say, hey man, like this is something that really, really, really got me connected with who I was committed to be as a man. And I know it's something that people struggle with. And, and if, if nothing else through your story, they get some hope and some belief that it's possible. I'll give you two. So the first one was my pops, him and my mom separated while I was going to middle school. It was pretty tough just because I also had a, a brother. I called a brother. We grew up together. Mm-hmm. My dad's nephew, he brought him mm-hmm. in to stay with us when we were young. We were really close. Growing up with him all the way up until 
I was about 10 or 11. And then my mom and dad separated. My dad took him with him. So I pretty much had a brother for most of my childhood. And once he left, I was kind of on my own. So it was, it was pretty tough in that sense. And then also just when you go to sporting events and you are growing up, you want your father there. Mm-hmm. You know, I had friends who, whose father were at the baseball games and coaching mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's like, man, it'd be pretty cool to have my dad there too. So I, I had to adapt and really get mentors to kind of teach me the way because I do believe you need to have both the male and the woman in the household because mm-hmm. you get both, you get the masculine and the feminine. I had to outsource. I had to go to Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. you know, I had to go to football coaches, baseball coaches, just to get the leadership and the, the life lessons from a man that I needed. So that was pretty tough for me. And the second thing, I'm going to be completely transparent, but for me in high school, I had pretty bad acne. And I know some people were like, yeah, that's not a, you know, it's not a big thing, but. It's a big thing when it happens to you. Yeah. So that kind of impact, you know, being a the star football player and you in front of, also in college as well. I had it in college as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to all these events and talking in front of all these people. It's like, man, I don't want to get up and do this because mm-hmm. you feel like everyone's looking at you and mm-hmm. everybody's, you know, judging you. And so thankfully I had a learning specialist. Her name is Dr. S, Dr. Mm-hmm. Maria Sepulveda. She always invited me out to places, made me do all these things that I didn't want to do. And even though I didn't want to do it, she forced me to do it. But it got me out like, okay, you need to face the world. You need to. That's it. I know this isn't going to last forever. That's what that taught me. This isn't going to last forever. You're going to be okay. You need to just face the world. And I thank her for that. First of all, you know how much I appreciate you sharing those. That's powerful. No surprise you are who you are. I am old enough to be your dad, so I'm going to say I'm proud of you. (laughs) I'm super excited for where you're going. I appreciate you opening up about that because, you know, those things are happening every day. That's true. That happens everywhere all over the world, sadly, right? But I love the messages you had there. And if I unpack some of them backwards, hey, this too will not last forever. I think the fact that you said, hey, man, I just got to a point where I knew I had to just get up, keep moving on what I was committed to doing. And man, that speaks a lot to me, Anthony, when at such a young age, a young man or a young woman can demonstrate that level of grit and resiliency, the ability to bounce back to what you once said you would do in the face of adversity, that's super powerful. Talk to me about how you carried that forward into this like unflinching commitment that you had made to yourself to play in the NFL. So going to the, the Lions in 2019, being from Wayne State, we're not really seen as a powerhouse like Alabama. Yeah, not for the NFL. Exactly. That's right. So get to the NFL and I'm automatically fourth string, like bottom of the barrel, high percentage, I'm not going to make it. So what I do, I got to get in there. I got to work, you know, even though things are tough and I'm not getting the opportunities that everybody else Mm -hmm. is getting, just got to keep pressing forward. Mm -hmm. And getting into that, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity where a couple guys got injured my rookie year during training camp. So I go from being fourth string, getting one rep per period, to I'm working first and second string with the the starters. I'm out Mm -hmm. there with Tom Brady. We did joint practices with the Patriots. I'm out there with James White and all those guys. They had just won a Super Bowl. (laughs) This is crazy. And I was getting upward to five, six reps a period. I'm like, man, take me off the field. I'm tired. Going from just being like written off, like this guy's not going to make it. Really tough having to fight, having to having to dig through the adversity in the NFL, 
to getting five, six reps. And then, you know, I ultimately made the practice squad my rookie year. The toughness that stuck with me, man, I, I couldn't have made it without it. Can you think of a time when a coach, maybe even a teammate, they poured into you, they said the right thing, and that really flipped a switch. And you're like, man, from that day forward, I remember just playing at a slightly higher level. I have two situations. So first, when I first got to the Lions, I met with our linebacker coach at the time, Al Golden. We're having our meeting before camp. In our meeting, I said, am I tryout or am I preferred free agent? He said, you ain't no walk-on. You ain't no tryout guy. You deserve to be here. We wanted you. Mm-hmm. And you're here. Like we, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He said, all you have to do is do this. He laid it out for me. And he said, if you don't make this team, then it's on you. Wow. He said, it's on me. And wow. So they really liked me. And yes. that kind of gave me the sense like, okay, I deserve to be here. They wanted me here. And even though I was getting one or two reps, I just had to fight through that. Whenever my opportunity came, individual drills, special teams drills, that one rep that I got, I had to use the opportunity to show what I got. And the other time was my rookie year, preseason, just finished the first game, first preseason game of my career, had a great game. And this is week two of the preseason. We play the Houston Texans. Right before the game, we go out and Jared Davis comes up to me, like, gives me this pep talk. Mm-hmm. He's like, Pitt. He's like, bro, you, you're a baller, bro. Like, you can do this. You got it in you. Like, I saw what you did last week. Saw what you've been doing all the camp. Bro, like, you deserve to be here. Like, bro, go go out there and show them that like, you got this. And that moment always stuck with me. But JD has always been someone who I've always looked up to, even when I first got in the league. Always, like, try to follow his coattail. Whatever he did, I did. And that's really someone I always look up to in the NFL. It's like somewhat cliche, birds of a feather flock together, but mm-hmm. hey, man, when they fly high, that's cool. Yeah. And JD, he always did things right and crazy work ethic. Crazy. I've heard that. I was thinking back to a comment you made earlier about your humility, right? Mm-hmm. Like being humble. And I got to think that there's a very delicate, complicated dance between humility and confidence. It's almost like being on a tightrope, but you got to be able to walk that to be effective in what you said you would do in anything in life, especially a high contact sport like football. I would say this, hard work breeds confidence. You get your confidence from working hard. So there's a difference between being confident and being cocky. I feel like when you, when you get cocky, that's when you always get shot down. It's happened to me in football. Like I had a great game or I bought out and next thing you know, next next game is like, bro, what happened? Like mistake here, mistake there, miss a tackle. It's like, dang, I was just a man last week and now this week, you know, you're getting coaches on your your back. That's something I learned as well. When you put that work in and you're confident in the work that you put in, that's gonna bring that confidence. But also being humble enough to know that, hey, I'm confident in my abilities, but I can't get too crazy now or I'm going to get shot down. I love the way you connect the intensity that you bring into your work has a direct relationship with the amount of confidence that you can have. I love that. And so so in no way, shape, or form does that prevent you from being humble. It just means that you know you are effective at your craft. Okay. You know I'm obsessed about Coach Campbell. He is the greatest thing that happened to the state of Michigan in the six years I've been here. (laughs) (laughs) The state of Michigan. I mean, the whole 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 state state. state of Michigan. You speak so highly of him. 
And I heard you say one thing that I've not heard any other player say, but the comment about how Coach Campbell talks about what would make the world better. You shared a story of how he connected what the world is like and what would make it better if it were just more like what? Like locker room. Unpack that a little bit. First about Coach Campbell, I got to say, I feel like that's how the whole state feels. Like Coach Campbell, like the the fans, the state, the city, like Coach Campbell is just a man. Like everybody loves Coach. We love Coach as the players. He's very easy guy to follow. Very cool guy. Great coaching staff too. All of them. We we love the coaching staff. Oh my gosh. And and it shows like the way we play, the way we, the way we, our team is, how we interact with each other. Like it's one big family. But he says, if the world was like the locker room, like everybody in that locker room is so close and we're even the staff, the support staff, Mm -hmm. training room, Mm -hmm. nutrition, Mm -hmm. a weight room. Mm -hmm. Like everybody is so close to like one big family in there. It doesn't matter where we're from. We could be black, white, Indian, you know, Asian, anything. Like we are, we have one goal and, you know, the goal is to be great and the goal is to move forward. Because it doesn't matter where we're from. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if we like anime, like Jamal Williams, or if we, oh uh, if we're a tough guy, if we're old lineman, if we're D lineman. Like it doesn't matter who you are. Like we're all. When it comes down uh, to it, like we're such a close knit group, and that's important. Is there a coach or someone on staff? And I know the line is out the door on the impact they all make on that organization, right? Yeah. But what an incredible story this past year: the Ford family, the Detroit Lions. Just everybody who had an ability to put that team together. Is there someone that doesn't necessarily often get credit, but you say, man, this is a person who like lives their life always just giving one more, Mm. you know, like they give everything they got and then somehow they give one more. It's a real good question. I would say the support staff. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. Cause Tabor Pepper, my guy who just re-signed with the 49ers. He talked about when he was on the show a year ago, he said, man, like they're the unsung heroes. He's like, I know them all by first name. They are. And he's like, without them, we're not the San Francisco 49ers. And I thought, man, what a powerful statement to make. No surprise if you got to know Tabor Pepper and the family he comes from. No surprise that that's what he said. But you're saying something similar. Think about it. Like as NFL players, we have so many things logistically that we have to get in place just for us to practice and play. So like equipment, Joey and the equipment staff, they're always behind the scenes working. You got the training staff. They tape our ankles before every practice. Acupuncture, dry needling, all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Cupping. Then you have the the food staff making us meals every day. So many snacks. <laughs> snacks and <laughs> drinks and, and fruits. And then you have nutrition, you know, giving us vitamins and, and supplements every day. And then even Brad Holmes upstairs. Then you have, can't forget the, the groundskeeping crew. They do so much. And then, you know, I make sure that, you know, they see how much I'm grateful for what they do because they do do a lot. And, you know, they're not the big stars like we are, yes. you know, in front of the camera and everything, but they're hugely important. Yeah. So I tip my hat off to them and I'm very grateful for them. And also the, the coaching staff. Yeah. You know, I love Coach Shep, man. Coach Shep, his passion, his energy, you know, the way he just attacks every meeting. Everything he does when he's coaching linebackers, man, is is unreal. And I love having him as my linebacker coach. And another big coach is, is Dave Phipp on the special team. Thing about Phipp, what I learned from him is to always, always be positive, no matter what the situation mm. is. I've never seen him be down about a situation. So, for example, we lose a game or bad special teams play. 
Like, he just like, all right, strap it up. We got the next play. We got to keep it. moving forward. And I remember one game I had messed up, and I'm hard on myself. I'm, I'm real tough on myself. I was killing myself. I was like, man, Phipps going to kill me, bro. Like, I made a big, big mistake on special teams. Like, Phipps going, he's going to tear into me in his meeting. And he like, he like, not glossed over, but he was like, all right, get the next one. You know? I'm yeah. Like, what? I'm like, what? You know, other coaches, there, you make a mistake, they you know, they yeah. cut into you, yeah. you know? But that's the thing about Phipps. Great special teams. So we started with mom. The bookend is JoJo. Hey, I'm <laughs> smiling, man. She's your queen. It's just obvious, right? You just know the glow when you see it. Yeah. Right? Talk about how JoJo's poured into you. You consistently give her credit for pouring into you and getting the best out of you as a man, as a boyfriend, and as an NFL player. First of all, she's my best friend. Yeah. You know, we're, we're very similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different, which is, which is good. We're both very adventurous, like to travel, like to experience new things, always on the go. So, you know, I kind of got to keep up with her. It always says in the Bible, you know, when a man finds a woman, he finds a good thing. And, and I strongly believe that when a man has a, a woman by his side, a queen that is guiding him, giving him perspective, really helping him achieve his goals. For example, I go to practice, I have a bad practice and I'm down on myself. I'm beating myself up. She comes in and she gives me a whole different angle to see the whole situation. And she's like, okay, that happened, but this is what you can do. Or that happened, but it was for a reason. So Mm -hmm. stop beating yourself up. You got Mm -hmm. this. It's one practice out of a million. So really what she does is she helps me put things in perspective. I could be hard on myself and I could be like, they're going to cut me after this one Mm -hmm. practice. And she's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got this. You've been through this. You've overcome that. So just do what you need to do and you, and you figure it out. So I really give her credit for that. She's also very lighthearted. I'm more the serious one. She's more the outgoing, lighthearted. She really, we balance each other out. And I feel like balance is everything. Yeah, I'm hearing you say that she empowers you to give yourself grace. Yes, exactly what she does. That is so powerful, right? I mean, your entire life story is that of this super intelligent, hardworking, handsome, comes from an (laughs) incredible mother, Yeah, underdog. And it's almost like she's that person in your corner now who's encouraging you on a day-to-day basis to give you grace as you get up and fight every single day. Because that's what you're doing playing NFL. Every day's a battle. You got to put in the work. Off-season or no off-season, you're putting in the work. That's right. Yeah. So me, I'm yeah, you're right. Cause me, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm like, wake up. This is what this is what I say. I wake up, I'm like, man, it's work to do and I gotta do it. You know That's what I mean? Right. So I wake up, man, have a cold shower, hit the gym, like I'm hitting it hard. Listen yeah. to motivation. I'm like, it's work to do. I gotta work. Yeah. And, you know, then she comes in, she joking around, this and that. She like, oh smile, da, da, da. Yeah. And you know me, I'm like, no, work, 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 work. So yeah, it's funny you even say that. I had a call last night with Tyler Conklin, and he came on a couple minutes late. And I mean, he's big. He's he's doing well. He's having. I mean, he's just balling out right now, right with the Jets. And he comes on a little late, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm so sorry." He's like, "But hey, I want you to know, I even cut my workout short by one set, you know, because that's how serious you have to be during the off season, right?" Yeah. I mean. We talk about the game is one in the inches. That's right. And that includes what you do when you're not on the field. Yeah. 
How hard has that been to juggle romance and love life and the vision that you and Jojo are building together Mm -hmm. while not sacrificing the commitments that you got to make every day to pay the price to be on the field next fall? Yeah. How are you juggling that? How are you balancing that? It's a delicate balance. You hear the great ones like Shannon Sharp say how he dedicated his whole his whole while he was in the league, his whole craft was to football. And he really didn't have time for, you know, love and things like that. For me, yeah, it's a delicate balance. So what I try to do is I try to incorporate JoJo in my workouts as much as I can. <laughs> so we when we were in Miami, you know, we did a kickboxing class together. We did hot yoga, which was pretty intense. We did this hit workout class together. So my fitness journey is her fitness journey. As I'm getting better and I'm drinking the protein shakes, she's right there drinking the protein shakes too and doing foam rolling and all kinds of things. I'm bringing her along and she's, uh, she's grown with her fitness journey as well. But like you said, how even in the off season, you got to put the work in. This off season, I feel like has been different than my other off seasons because I wanted to change it. So I wanted to do all kinds of fitness. So I've, like I said, kickboxing, I've done boxing classes, done the yoga, done pool workouts, mm-hmm. went down to Florida to get some new working, some pass mm-hmm. rushing stuff, really like just doing everything. The other thing that I'm doing is is trying to do something every single day. Mm-hmm. In the past, you know, maybe I've gone three days a week, four days a week. Every day of the week this year, I'm trying to do something, seven days a week. I believe consistency will stack the bricks. So you could be intense and go two days a week, but if I do something moderate, all seven days, like Kobe said, that's just going to add up. Seven days, next thing you know, I'm all the way up here and you're, you know, you're still catching up. So I've been going seven days this offseason and man, I feel like it's been paying off. That's unbelievable. You know, a lot of our listeners, Anthony, are a younger demographic. Mm. I always got to get a, give a shout out to my kids over at Detroit Country Day. Okay. And I'm not going to disrespect Birmingham Groves, Coach Flaherty, and the team there. Absolutely. Avery Gatch, second shout out on one show, brother. But they're young. Yeah. And they're listening and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And when they're young, we're all encouraging them to dream. Right. So, what's some of the advice? What's maybe one or two simple pieces of advice that, the man that Anthony Pittman is today would give to the 12, 13, 14-year-old Anthony Pittman of then? Number one, I would say, write your goals down every day. Write it down, make it clear, write it, rewrite it, to-do lists, goals, short-term, long-term, write it down. Second is surround yourself with people who are already doing things that are great. So if you're around five people who are doing great things and want to be great, you're going to be the sixth just automatically just because you're you're going to keep up. I would say study successful people in your field, in your craft, study who's doing it at a high level and figure out what they're doing because success leaves clues. Next, I would say you got to outwork everybody. I mean, life's a competition. That's just the fact of the business and you're competing against yourself, but there's hundreds and even thousands of people who want to do what you're doing. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're an NFL player, whatever you want to be, hundreds of people want to do it as well. So you got to find a way to outwork that competition, whether it's staying up later, working for more days or working harder, working longer. So those are the biggest keys that I learned over the years that if I would have known back then, and this is what I tell kids when I go back to high schools and stuff, do those things. But the most important thing I would say is write your goals down. Write it down, make it clear so you can see it. I always keep a small notepad with me 
writing my goals down constantly every day. And it just helps you focus. I love everywhere we went today. I was talking to Khalif. I was like, come on, man. I'm texting. You guys are on the field and I'm texting him. This was incredible. I want to wrap up. There's so many things you said that I love. There were a couple that I'm just obsessed about and I align with so much. I always say, if it's not written, it's not real. Mm. So it's not just about writing your dreams and priorities down, but write down your commitments to yourself. Like to me, we got to honor our commitments to ourselves before we can honor our commitments to our teammates. And so I loved hearing you talk about the discipline and the commitment to the hard work and that being what breeds the confidence that you're taking into this next season. So powerful. And boy, does that apply to young student athletes. Put in the hard work, no shortcuts. The last one I want to just repeat is that success leaves clues. So study the people you admire. Surround yourself with people you admire because success is leaving us clues throughout our journey in life. Yes. Hey, man, from your mother to JoJo, from your teammates, Coach Flaherty, Coach Winters, Coach Campbell, Coach Shep, Coach Phipp, and man, just this beautiful story that you and JoJo are going to write. And who could forget Mrs. Sepulveda? I mean, Anthony, you've stacked micro wins your entire life. I know there's losses and lessons in there. We learn from both. I love being with you. I'm super excited to continue to pour into our relationship. We got a Detroit native, Birmingham Grove standout, Wayne State standout, undrafted into the NFL, just finished year four, going into his fifth season, re-signed with our loving, 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 and on fire Detroit Lions. Man, go ball out. I can't wait to watch you play this year. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to my guest, Anthony Pittman. Connect with Anthony on Twitter at underscore Pittman underscore or Instagram at that guy, Ant, A-N-T, five, seven. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to follow, rate, and review at the podium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at podium underscore podcast. Post about the show on social media and tag us. We'll repost to share our gratitude. Also, consider telling a friend about the show. Friend to friend remains the best way to get the word out about our podcast. Keep attacking life with grit and we'll see you next time.